You're listening to the World Watch weekly podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or about the World Watch List, please visit our website at opendoorscanada.org. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the World Watch with you podcast. I'm Andrew with Jared and Nicolette. And today we are going to dive into a topic uh, called gendered specific religious persecution. Now, I think most people listening would probably ask, what is gendered specific religious persecution? Jared? Gender specific religious persecution is the idea that men and women face persecution and harassment and oppression differently around the world. Since 2018, Open Doors workers have uh, dove into the subject of gender specific religious persecution, which we'll refer to in this podcast as GSRP. And the information that we're talking about today is taken from the 2022 Gender Specific Religious Persecution Report. So we'll link down to that in the description of the podcast, and you can find it on our website. Uh, so we're going to cover all of that today, and you can find lots more information using that link. And they've uncovered data that points towards uh, consistent trends in gender persecution. Persecution uh, Persecutors, excuse me, will tend to exploit sociocultural norms in a given region and use the resulting vulnerabilities related to the perceived value and purpose of men and women. Now, that's a lot of words to say that social roles related to gender are related to the way men and women experience persecution. Now, before we get too far into this subject, I want to warn our listeners that uh, there will be references in this podcast to things such as sexual abuse, uh, sexual trauma, and physical abuse and things like that. So uh, just be advised of that uh, moving forward. So, so gender-specific religious pursuit, GSRP, as Jared said, is about how men and women face, uh, experience persecution differently. So, Nicolette, just give us a, a really brief overview before we dive deeper in about how men and women face persecution differently. For sure. So, let's look at some of the ways that society perceives uh, gender. So, men are often seen as uh, financial providers and leaders whereas women are often seen as honor bearers of the family and as wives and mothers. So uh, in terms of persecution, men could be denied work opportunities and made examples of in order to strike fear into Christian communities. And women, um, what happens to them a lot of the time is that their bodies are assaulted and controlled in order to shame families and communities. So um, this leads to the next generation being deprived of stable homes to grow in, to grow up in, and both of these roles impact the next generation. So uh, GSRP dynamics, they typically, uh, when they affect men, uh, uh, that they're, they're focused and visible. But by contrast, women experience patterns and forms of persecution which are complex and hidden. Now, both of them are marked by violence, but Christian men typically face more severe and even lethal violence, whereas the insidious violence faced by women tends to be invisible and long-lasting. And so we want to kind of 
dive into that and kind of explain what we mean by that. And so we're going to start by talking more deeply about how men experience persecution, dive into that, and then we'll get into to women after that. Persecution against Christian men and boys is, you might frame it as attempting to remove them from the picture, remove them from society. One expert in India says, it's a simple principle, kill the leader and win the battle. By targeting men who are church leaders, fathers, financial providers, the goal of the persecutor is to inflict pain on the wider Christian community. Now, right off the bat, there's the problem there, the assumption that men are the only ones who can be the, the leaders or the, uh, the the providers to a family because women are, are so strong in that area too. But the idea that men are the, the visible ones in society persecutors want to remove that. They might boycott the man's business or they might uh, falsely accuse him of crimes to land him in prison uh, with the end result that families are left destitute. Uh, by recruiting men into militias or into criminal groups, by abducting them or killing them, families and communities are left traumatized and sometimes defenseless. And it's worth noting that uh, we're speaking very broadly here and that this persecution does look different from region to region, but Essentially, in different parts of the world, men might experience any one or multiple of these methods of persecution. Another idea that's explored in the report is the idea that attacking fathers and church leaders embeds a cycle of violence against both boys and girls. And what this means is that by taking out the figure who acts to protect, encourage, and rescue those that are most vulnerable, the next generation is exposed. And this can lead to some very devastating things. Uh, for example, in some extreme circumstances, boys can be swept into the hands of militias or even killed at the hands of extremists. The older generation can feel the pain of being unable to provide protection to these younger boys and girls. Now, the report, every year the report looks at the pressure points that each gender faces. And so pressure points, so like where, how, how is the persecution and the pressure being put on men, for instance? And so the top five pressure points for men in the 2022 GSRP report, starting at number one, are physical violence, Number two, psychological violence. Number three, economic harassment. Number four, imprisonment. And lastly, number five, military or militia, being taken into military or militia, as Nicola just mentioned. Now, the persecution against men you, you can is, is endemic and it's constantly violent. Since reporting began in 2018, three of the pressure points that I just mentioned have consistently ranked in the top five, physical violence, imprisonment, and economic harassment via work. And so this is kind of uh, how men experience, this is a, a glimpse into how men experience persecution, but we want to turn our focus to women. And uh, we're going to look at what the, the GSRP report says about how women and girls experience persecution. So as we mentioned earlier, uh, persecution of Christian women and girls targets them as sexual objects and vehicles of shame. So women are often targeted as a sexual prize or as an instrument that's used to punish or harm the wider Christian community. 
in many places, women are viewed to be of lesser value, uh, both as Christians and as women. So what you're saying, Nicolette, is that that Christian women face pressure because they're Christian, but also because they are women. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, so whether women and girls are viewed as pure or as worthless, their bodies become a vehicle for imparting shame on the Christian community, particularly in cultures where sexual purity is really tied with family honor. Survivors of sexual abuse return traumatized to their families, and they are also symbolic reminders of the power of their perpetrators. Um, so what happens is that a lot of times families and local communities really struggle to overcome the stigma that's attached to the abuse that um, the woman has experienced. And it's even worse if she returns home and she's pregnant or she has a baby. Yeah, so this happens a lot in places like Nigeria, where, where women have been captured by Boko Haram, escape, released or whatever, come back with a, a baby. And they're now known as as a, a Boko baby, uh, you know, or a Boko Haram woman. And, and the community or the family, it feels like their daughter is, is impure now, and it, it causes a lot of issues. Such sexual exploitation of women also serves to stem the growth of the Christian population while increasing that of other populations. So in an example like what Andrew just mentioned with Boko Haram abducting and exploiting women, uh, these girls can often be forced into marriages with the militants in order to bear future soldiers and to boost their ranks. It's a horrifying situation. Had this girl or this young woman been uh, left free with her family and, and uh, left free to follow Jesus, you know, chances are good she would have married a Christian man and and they might have begun a Christian family and the Christian population expands in, in these areas. But instead, uh, these women are targeted specifically because of that and that. And as a result, the Christian population doesn't grow as much as it might. And we've used the term double vulnerability in the past, where this person is targeted because of their faith, but also because they're a woman. And even besides abduction and forced marriage, uh, female converts risk being placed under house arrest by their family if they've been shunned by a family who follows a different religion. Uh, they might be forced into marriage just by their own families um, or even abused physically and sexually by their husband who doesn't uh, doesn't agree with their religious choices. They might be put under pressure to recant her newfound faith. This all goes back to what we talked about, about persecution against women being, quote, invisible. Women are too often silenced or shamed for their faith. Um, so let's take a look at the top five ranking pressure points for Christian women around the world. This is from the 2022 GSRP report. The first pressure point, the number one pressure point that uh, Christian women face is sexual violence. The second is forced marriage. The third is physical violence. The fourth is psychological violence. And the fifth is house arrest. Out of these five, sexual violence and forced marriage have consistently ranked in the top two pressure points 
for the past five years. Yeah, both of those were reported in over 88% of the top 50 World Watch List countries, meaning that that this isn't just something that's happening in, in a few places. It's happening in the majority of countries where Christians are being persecuted. Yes, absolutely. And we also see that year upon year of reporting, a greater variety of pressure points have been recorded for women, showing that they face a greater breadth of persecution than men do. Many of these countries, women and girls have very few legal rights to begin with, and perpetrators of violence are commonly granted impunity. So within this context, persecutors do not have to look far in order to find uh, ways to harm Christian women, and in doing so, they are also harming the wider Christian community. Before we move into a few moments of prayer, uh, I have a question, Andrew and Nicolette, for the two of you. Uh, do you know in the Bible the first? Uh, it's a two-part question. The first person to give a name to God, and what that name was, and by that I mean. God reveals himself as the name Yahweh, as I am. But there's instances, especially in the Old Testament, of people giving names to God, such as uh, the Lord, my provider, for example. There's a number of instances like that. Do you know what the first instance of someone giving a name to God is in the Bible? And do you know what that name was? They're thinking. I'm assuming it's going to be a woman, so that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out based on where this is coming in our conversation. Uh, it's going to be. I think my guess is Hagar. Oh, that's an interesting one. And what does Hagar call God? You got it. You got it absolutely right. It's Hagar. Yeah. And do you know, do you remember the name that she ascribes to God? I want to say protector, but I could be shield. It's not protector. It's not shield. It's Elroy. You are the god who sees me. Oh yes, yes. Now, for context, Hagar was an Egyptian slave girl of Abraham and his wife Sarah, uh, who was pregnant by Abraham and uh, abused by Sarah, and she fled into the desert pregnant. Um, and as she was in the desert alone by herself, uh, she was visited by God who told her to, um, to to return home and that he would care for her and he would eventually make her child into a great nation. And she said, you are the God who sees me. And that's so incredible to me because as we think about these women around the world who are facing silence and facing shame and being persecuted and being rejected by families and being abducted or forced into marriage and it can be so easy for them to feel invisible so easy for them to feel unseen and yet uh, from the very first book of the bible we have an instance of god looking at a woman like this and saying i see you and i know you and i'm going to care for you so in a minute we're going to pray and uh, we'll pray first for all of those women around the world who feel unseen and invisible and we'll pray that they feel a sense of hope and encouragement in this time We'll take a moment and we'll pray for men who are held captive, likely in a prison, and women who are held captive either in their homes or or by uh, or have been abducted. Um, we'll also pray for um, the next generation of young boys and girls that are impacted by uh, both both persecution against Christian women and against Christian men, and we'll just pray that um, 
that chains are broken and that they are that they will have the opportunity to have hopeful futures. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you for um, the opportunity to learn about uh, the persecution that um, our brothers and sisters around the world face, and um, we're grateful for the research that is available to us, God. And I, I pray, God, that that as we think about these things, God, that you would grow compassion in our hearts for persecuted men and women around the world, and we just take some time to lift them before you. Um, Lord, I pray for all of the women around the world that that feel isolated and alone and that face such traumatic circumstances because they're women and because they've chosen to believe in you and chosen to hold you uh, close and dear in their life. And Lord, we, we pray what Hagar prayed when she was alone and she was isolated and facing things with nobody there to support her God. We pray that you would be the God who sees um, for all of the persecuted women around the world. I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that they would have um, just a strong sense of your presence with them. Um, I pray that they would lean into you and allow your love to take hold of their hearts and to fill them and to give them hope, God, that you, you are their protector and their provider and that you are more than enough for them. And I pray that they would just continue to hold you dear and that their faith uh, won't waver, but that they'll hold on to you closely. And um, we pray that um, each one would get to experience joy and hope that's found in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us for the World Watch Weekly podcast. Once again, you can find the link to the gender-specific religion persecution report in the uh, description of the podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred provider and give us a follow on social media at Open Doors Canada for lots more content. We'll see you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find more ways to pray for your persecuted family on our website at opendoorscanada.org or follow us on social media at Open Doors Canada.